everyone, it is Stephanie Postles, the host of Up Next in Commerce. Before we get into our latest interview with another e-commerce leader, I wanted to let you know that the Up Next in Commerce podcast is now available for sponsorship for the first time ever. By partnering with us, your company will be connected to interviews with the most compelling founders, CEOs, VPs, and digital leaders in the world of commerce today. You have nothing to gain but thousands of followers and millions of impressions each and every month. Reach out to me at stephanie at mission.org to see how your business can benefit from partnering with our team at Up Next in Commerce. The biggest misconception with the term audience development is, oh yeah, it's just another word for marketing, but it's not. The easiest way to think about this just in a very basic form is marketing is more about how you want to look to the world as you bring those audiences in initially, right? More on the branding side of things, whereas Dev is who are we to the world and really drilling down on understanding those audiences that were brought in and who they are and then building those audiences through different engagement tactics and community tactics. Some brands are lucky enough to have a built-in audience of millions while others need to develop an audience from scratch. Chris Menenti has been on both sides of the coin and he knows that in either situation, Once you have a base of potential customers paying attention to you, the next challenge is converting those browsers to buyers. Chris is the director of commerce strategy at Discovery Inc., where he is helping turn the millions of viewers who tune into Discovery's channels, such as HGTV, TLC, Food Network, and more, into customers who buy across various platforms. On this episode of Up Next in Commerce, Chris explains how he puts his history of building audiences at previous companies to work at Discovery including some tips for young companies on how to utilize newsletters. And he discusses how to use the data you collect as a starting point for creating a more personalized, one-to-one relationship with your audience on various platforms. Plus, he looks into the future to predict how shoppable experiences will be made possible with universal add-to-cart and buy-now options. Enjoy this episode. Next in Commerce is brought to you by Salesforce Commerce Cloud. Respond quickly to changing customer needs with flexible e-commerce connected to marketing, sales, and service. Deliver intelligent commerce experiences your customers can trust across every channel. Together, we're ready for what's next in commerce. Learn more at salesforce.com slash commerce. Hey everyone, it is Stephanie. Before we get started, I wanted to remind you to subscribe to our weekly e-commerce newsletter at mission.org slash upnextincommerce. It's amazing, it's great. You will learn a lot of good things. Go subscribe. Welcome back to Up Next in Commerce. This is your host, Stephanie Postles, co-founder of mission.org. Our guest today is Chris Mainenti, the Director of Commerce Strategy at Discovery Inc. Chris, welcome to the show. Thank you, Stephanie. I appreciate uh, you having me on and, and, and talking uh, all things commerce here uh, in, in the current uh, climate that we're in. Yeah, I am very excited to have you guys on. I was just thinking about how long Discovery Channel and all the other channels, HGTV and Food Network and Travel Channel have been in my life. And with that, I want to hear a little bit about your role at Discovery. I mean, it seems like there's so much going on, so many digital portfolios that you guys have over there. And I think just a lot behind the scenes that an average consumer wouldn't even know. So I'd love to hear what you're up to at Discovery. Like, what does your day-to-day look like? Sure. So I would say, uh, first and foremost, for, you know, commerce specifically in like the digital, you know, media space, uh, we're probably slightly different than a lot of others. Um, We're really multifaceted in terms of how we work and who we work with across the org. Obviously, like you said, Discovery is huge, has a ton of, you know, major, major worldwide brands. Um, so we, we actually kind of sit on like the portfolio wide level with our lifestyle brands and uh, we're really in the weeds with them on a day-to-day basis. And, you know, that really starts with obviously our editorial teams, you know, that's our bread and butter, you know, that's our voice and our authority in this space. So again, um, you know, that's really where, you know, we begin and and that's obviously where um, we're doing our content output um, and and producing all of this great, you know, shopping content for our our different audiences. And and again, pulling um, our experts from all of these different brands to come together. So again, folks are really getting, you know, the full spectrum of expertise in all of um, these different categories. And 
you know, from there, it just really starts branching out into other groups. So we work heavily with our ad sales and branded content teams, where we work on much larger partnerships and deeper integrations, which we can talk about today as well. We have a licensing team where we work on licensed products, and we kind of take our learnings that we're seeing on our shopping content uh, on a day-to-day basis and, you know, analyze that and then speak with licensing to see where, you know, there may be some, you know, room to actually create a new line with one of our partners. We also, believe it or not, and I know you don't know this, we have a video games team at Discovery, uh, and we work closely with them as well on, you know, trying to find those shoppable moments and again, bringing our brand and, and our voice into those, you know, games um, when they're being built. So uh, again, we're always serving the reader, you know, no matter, you know, who or, or where they are and again, pivoting as necessary. So those are just, you know, a few groups and obviously our marketing and ops and, you know, audience development teams were heavily embedded with as well when it comes to promotion. So again, there are just, you know, I would say uh, a lot of areas that we kind of focus on. I know in the beginning, it was always all about, you know, commerce is part of diversifying your revenue streams at a, you know, a digital pub, but, you know, we kind of see it more as now we're trying to diversify our commerce stream um, into all of these other areas. So um, again, a lot of exciting stuff has uh, already happened and we're working on some, you know, cool stuff too, as we kind of head into um, next year. So a lot of exciting stuff in, you know, an area that's obviously blowing up for a variety of reasons. That That's a lot going on there. It's actually really interesting because you just mentioned video games and I just did a recap episode with one of my co-workers uh, for the first 50 episodes of the show. And the one thing I was bringing up was like, I think there's um, a big opportunity in having shoppable moments in these worlds or video games. And we were mentioning Unreal and Epic Games specifically, but I, that I hadn't really seen that yet. So that's interesting that you guys are starting to explore that arena because it feels like that's something of the future, but it's needed. And that's like where everything's headed. Yeah. And again, you know, I can't stress enough. I mean, our portfolio is just so suited for so many, you know, of these different, you know, avenues that we could always, you know, find something where, again, we're not like being gimmicky just to say we're there, right? We're, Mm -hmm. this is our bread and butter. And we're making sure that we stick, you know, to our tried and blue and who we are and, and not shy off too much. And again, just try to say, um, we did something here or there, like really making sure we're always serving our audiences and, and giving them, you know, what they want on the platforms they want. Yeah, which I think that's a really good jumping off point then, because that was actually my one biggest question I had of how do you like strategically think about what an audience wants without, you know, disrupting the content? I mean, it seems so tricky because you see a lot of, you know, shows and I mean, whatever it may be where like you might have product placement in a show or a movie but it might not actually uplift sales because it wasn't done correctly. Where I was also just talking about the Netflix original, um, the organizing show where they partnered with the yep. container store and how they had an instant, I think it was like a 17% uplift in sales after that show yep. aired. So like that worked and many others don't. So like, how do you guys think about, you know, making those shoppable moments and yeah, actually having it work? Sure. So I think, you know, first and foremost, I think, you know, you have to be honest and say, look, not everything is going to hit And honestly, it's not, you know, always meant to always hit, right? So I think we go into that, you know, first, you know, being real (laughs) with, you know, the current situation and understanding not everyone is going to want every single thing, you know, we're always talking about integrating, promoting, so on and so forth. So (laughs) I would say that's first. Secondly, again, we start with, you know, what's our expertise? What do we believe in? And what do we want to, you know, showcase to our, you know, various audiences across all of these different platforms. And then from there is when we start to really start getting down to the nuances. And, you know, look, we have created what, you know, we dub um, internally as the commerce hub, where we're bringing in, you know, data feeds from all different platforms, our affiliate networks, um, our in-house reporting platforms, uh, you know, social, so on and so forth, bringing that all together. uh, And again, understanding, you know, what are people consuming and what is their mindset, you know, when they're on social versus linear versus a DTC or, you know, our dot coms and really starting to kind of look and and pull out trends from that. You know, I always like to say, I, I prefer the term, 
data influenced versus data driven because you can't just take like a dashboard of data and you know kind of sort in descending or ascending order and say okay whatever's at the top or bottom do or don't do and call it a day right we focus much more heavily on insights and, and kind of use that data as a jumping off point but then do very very deep you know analysis and pull actionable insights out of that for all of our different, you know, brands and, and teams for when they're creating, you know, new content or when we're optimizing old content, again, you know, wherever that is. And, and then I think lastly, with that comes, you know, how do we kind of visualize that to the audience, right? On digital.com, is it more about, again, you know, really simple to read, simple call to actions to buy items, again, on linear, what is that a QR code experience? Is it, um, you know, some type of more deeper integration with a smart TV company on, you know, our TV experiences? Is it more deeply integrated where you can actually tap to purchase within the app, so on and so forth? So, you know, again, there's just a lot of things that we're looking at. We never make it cut and dry. That's probably because personally, I don't think anything is ever cut and dry, especially mm-hmm. um, this space and, and shopping behaviors across you know, not only brands, but the platforms those brands are on. And, and that's kind of how we look at it. I know that's a lot and that sounds a bit crazy, but we do really pride ourselves on, again, using these things as our jumping off point and then really diving in deep and making sure that we're, we're serving our audiences, again, where they like to consume this content. Got it. So, it's, yeah, it sounds like everything is very custom and every channel and project, you know, it's like from the start, you start from scratch where you start figuring out what your audience might like. But do you have any internal formulas where you're like, well, we always kind of follow like <laughs> this in the beginning. And then it goes crazy after that because we find other things out. But like, is there, is there anything that's like similar among all the campaigns or projects that you're working on, at least from a starting point? Yeah, I think, you know, honestly, it's probably not surprising whenever you're talking about items on sale or whenever we're talking about certain merchants or, you know, price points um, or categories like organizing and cleaning is, is always up there for us. Um, we know very specific furniture categories that do very well for us. So we do have kind of like our, our basic, what we call like playbooks that, that we start off with. But like you said, we still are always like constantly learning and pivoting as necessary. I mean, I think A perfect example is in the beginning of the year, I don't think anyone in this world saw what was coming. So, you know, we were doing our thing. And then when everything, you know, started to unfold, you know, we got together and we had to pivot. And again, the, the, the good thing about, you know, Discovery's brands is again, we are so, you know, widespread in, in terms of the categories that we're experts in that we were able to easily kind of pivot. And again, make sure we're giving our audiences, you know, what they need at that moment. Do you see more companies starting to shift, like media companies turning into e-commerce companies and e-commerce companies turning into media companies? Like I've heard that Mm -hmm. saying quite a bit, especially over the past six months, but it feels like you guys have been there for a while. Do you see other companies like looking to you for maybe best practices of like, how do I make this shift or should I make this shift? A hundred percent, right? I think, you know, the, the beauty in that is that we can coexist and, you know, really, you know, do things that benefit each of us, right? I don't think this is an either, you know, we succeed or they succeed. This is, uh, I think, a space where we can coexist. The way I always like to kind of, you know, frame this when I'm talking to our merchant partners and talking internally is we're really here to humanize the star review, right? When you come to us, it's, you're not just going to see, again, this is a four out of a five, or this is a five star, you know, item. and, and, And that's it, right? From the random ecosystem of the internet, we are heavily focused on saying, look, here are the things we recommend and why. And I think that's where, you know, our our partners can really leverage us and where, you know, you're really seeing us shine is again, we don't have to just throw a bunch of random stuff out there and hope for the best. We can, you know, again, given our our brands and, and our standing in this space, we can, you know, really leverage our expertise and authority there when, you know, kind of growing this portfolio with all of our partners. And, and again, I think that's, to be honest with you, the, the thing that drove me to Discovery the most was, wow, these are huge brands with huge audiences and huge respect. Now we just kind of got to tie all of that together and, you know, go from 
the moment of inspiration to action. And then again, that's what we've been working on. That's really cool. With all the data that you were mentioning earlier, I mean, have you, since you joined, have you seen any changes in consumer shopping behavior? So yes, um, obviously the biggest one occurring this year, and that was with um, online grocery. I think it's, you know, no surprise that, you know, it's been building up now for, you know, a year or two um, in terms of mainstream, Um, but it never really caught on, you know, it's only like five to 10% of folks are really, you know, engaging and entertaining the online grocery space. But then again, obviously earlier in the year when things started to shut down and and people were uneasy about going out, we did see huge spikes um, in in that space, obviously on our foodnetwork.com site. And, you know, I would say that continued for a bit and, and did peter out a bit, you know, recent months, which again is obviously expected. So I think that's probably one of the big ones. Um, the other thing that, you know, we, we have seen not so much in terms of like major shifts in shopping behaviors, just more like increased sales in categories that we already know are performing, right? So, you know, organizing and cleaning it has always been um, a winner for us. And then, you know, as the months went on, we just seen it doing better for us. Um, I think, you know, we do a lot of buying guides where we talk about the best cast iron skillets on, you know, Food Network or the best humidifiers on HGTV. You know, we started to see those things gain more and more traction as we went. And, you know, we're attributing some of that to us really getting our audience to trust us and, and now know that they can come to us as a trusted resource to really be like a personal shopper for them. And again, we've kind of seen that across the board in in all of our main categories. The only other thing I'll say in terms of not only, I wouldn't say shifts in behaviors, but just, you know, something else we've kind of pulled out from the data is that, you know, everyone loves a good deal and, you know, good price points, but our audience is willing to spend more, especially when those items are either, you know, offered at a discounted rate for, a holiday or something, or if we've worked with the merchant to get an exclusive discount for our audience. So we have also seen upticks in that as well. But again, holistically, I have, we haven't seen any huge shifts outside of, like I said, the, the online grocery, which again is expected given the situation we've been in. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. I saw the, for the food network, I think you had like a subscription mm-hmm. um, platform and you partnered with Amazon. Like, was that something that was already in the works or did that get sped up once everything was happening with COVID? Yeah. So that was already in the works um, with our great, you know, DTC um, group. And for folks who don't know, that's our our subscription platform um, on the food network side that, you know, we call internally FNK because it's just easier. Um, and, And yes, that was in the works. And again, we're working more and more on getting that, you know, to more and more folks, um, who are really, you know, looking to, get more classes, get more recipes, uh, you know, just be more intimate, you know, with our brand. Yeah. Yeah. It looked very cool. I was on there looking around at, oh, you can follow these chefs and have cooking (laughs) classes with them. And then you can tell your Amazon Echo to order it for you, the exact things you need. And it looked like it was, um, yeah, it would be really fun to engage with that. Exactly. It goes back to that kind of 360 approach um, that we have really been focused on, you know, when it comes to our shopping portfolio. Yeah, that's very fun. So. We're, you've talked a lot about partnerships, so you've kind of touched on it a bit, but tell me a little bit about what does a partnership look like, like from beginning to end? Like, what does that process look like when you're finding a partner, figuring out like how to actually strategically partner with them in a way that benefits both parties? Like, what does it look like behind the scenes? Sure. So I think, you know, there's really um, two paths there. There's the partnership stuff that we handle like directly with merchants through like affiliate networks and so on and so forth. And, and you know, for that, you know, we do um, a lot of research on our end. You know, again, we already know, you know, what type of product hits, what type of merchants hit. So, you know, one thing we do is take that and then say, okay, what are similar merchants, you know, in this space? And then we'll, you know, reach out um, and, and discuss the opportunity of working together on that front. And then I would say on the other side, you know, bigger picture stuff is, again, we're heavily in, um, embedded with our ad sales team on much larger partnerships. And I think a great example of that is our um, Shop the Look campaign with Wayfair, which is um, a deep integration that spans across, you know, linear and digital that, uh, again, was really spearheaded by uh, our sales team 
um, that we then came in and assisted with. But for folks who don't know, basically what this is, when you go to any of our um, photo inspo on HGTV.com, you'll see like a little fly out of, you know, all the products within the image that are shoppable on Wayfair.com. And obviously, you know, that's not just a, a basic integration that you just kind of wake up one day and do. So for that, you know, we came together and we said, again, you know, what, what can we, you know, do that is going to benefit both of us that's going to serve, you know, our audiences for uh, the long run and really, you know, make a successful you know, integration here. So again, that's what turned into, you know, shop the look. It's one of our best partnerships that we have um, across our dot coms right now. And it's, you know, it's super successful. Uh, our audience, you know, loves it. Uh, and again, I think it's, it's always starting with, well, what is the goal and, and what do we want to achieve from this? Right. I think sometimes people get too focused on, well, like what looks cool and like, let's just do that. Right. We wanted to really focus on, well, what's the goal here and, and what do you, what do we think we can create that's actually going again to help our audiences that come to HEV.com be inspired and, and feel comfortable, you know, making purchases based off of what they're seeing. So, you know, that's, that's really how we, you know, uh, approach these. Um, we're super particular about, who we work with and and what that looks like. You know, you mentioned uh, the Amazon partnership, you know, we have a really strong um, relationship with them as well. And, you know, for us, again, it's, it's always, you know, looking at the brand and our audiences first and saying, you know, what makes the most sense, you know, for them. And then that's when we start, you know, peeling the layers here and figuring out what are those experiences that we could, you know, bring to, to them on different platforms. Yeah, I think that's really smart. Like you said, not to just do something because it looks cool or seems cool, but to actually do something that you know the audience will like and will convert into sales to also help the partner. What are some of the success metrics for the Shop the Look campaign, for example? Like, what did you go into hoping to achieve when you set up that partnership? Like, is it affiliate-based or mm -hmm. like, what do you guys look for and be like, ah, this is a successful campaign versus previous ones that were maybe okay or good? Um, so I, I think to simply put it, consumption and sales, you know, are the big ones. Consumption being, are we seeing more and more um, folks coming to these different, you know, integrations across our platform? And then again, you know, how are they translating into sales? You know, looking at things like, okay, so we are getting them to Wayfair.com, but once they're on Wayfair.com, what are they doing? So obviously, again, looking at conversions, average order value so on and so forth. Again, just to really gauge what these audiences are looking like, you know, as the days, we, uh, weeks and months, you know, go by, I, I would say, you know, one of the things that we were looking for, especially as COVID first hit was, you know, are we seeing an increase, a, a decrease? Like, what are we seeing in terms of, you know, shopping behaviors across um, our platform? And, and again, the, the, the metrics we kind of looked at for that was, obviously click through rates conversion rates average order value because you know we we even saw in some instances where experiences weren't driving as many views or clicks but the average order value was much higher and again just kind of goes to show that you know our audience is a very qualified audience that trusts us and is willing to spend with us so you know we, we try to pull out all of these different metrics i think you know one of the things with commerce that you know is either for better or worse, is that you can't just look at one metric and, you know, just kind of like live and die by that number, right? Mm -hmm. So again, that's why we kind of have a handful. And look, we also pivot based on what that platform is, you know, what the experience is, um, who the partner is, so on and so forth. So we don't have a one size um, fits all solution. Again, that was uh, done by design. And that's kind of how we approach these things. And again, just making sure that, um, you know, we stay true to, to who we are and, and, and we're benefiting, you know, everyone involved. Got it. How do you keep track of, like, if there's a, you know, TV viewer who's watching HGTV and then you're trying to send them to maybe Wayfair to shop that look like, how are you, or what are the best practices with converting those people, but also keeping track of them in a way that's not maybe, you know, creates friction? Like, are you telling them like, go visit this URL or like, mm -hmm. how do you go about that? Yeah, um, so totally, right? I think, obviously, um, the most common, you know, ways of driving from linear to digital is the QR code experience. And, and, you know, we're actually working on, 
some of those solutions as we speak and trying to understand, again, what will it take to bring more linear folks from TV down to digital? And like you said, make this Mm -hmm. a a frictionless, seamless experience, right? So again, is that as simple as uh, a QR code? Or again, is this more about a stronger, deeper integration um, that's a bit more sophisticated and and partnering up with folks um, who can actually understand what is on screen at any moment and then kind of surface that product on screen again if you have a smart tv and and allowing folks to you know enjoy that experience or again when it comes to tve um you know we have our go apps that uh, you know you could log into your your cable subscription and again obviously you could be more sophisticated on your mobile device so what does that look like is it again while you're watching it at minute three, at minute three or whatever, five minutes uh, in, do you surface what is, you know, currently being seen in the screen and saying, look, shop this room. And, and what what do you do from that point down to the device, right? Can it be as simple as just a tap to buy or do you have to tap and then open up a new, you know, browser window? Like what are those integrations look like? Um, again, ultimately trying to find the most frictionless experience. So I think, you know, we're still experimenting with that. I don't think anyone uh, in the space has really nailed that down in, in terms of, yep. you know, what what is shoppable, you know, TV or just shoppable video in general, right? And again, how do we go beyond what just like looks cool and, and turn that into, you know, actionable? Yep. Yeah, I think creating a frictionless experience is key. And there's a lot of room for innovation in that area. I'm even thinking about just Instagram where, you know, I'll find a blogger I like, and I really like her outfit. And then it's like, okay, well now go to the link in my bio. And then that's (laughs) going to open a like to know it app. And then maybe you'll be able to find the outfit. But at that point, it's probably just on the home screen of that new app. And it just feels like there's so many places for a customer to drop. I guess I was just really eager to look at that outfit. So I I stuck with it. But you know, any other time I probably would have been like, Oh, that's too much work. It seems like there's just a lot of room for innovation, innovation around those like shoppable moments, whether it's TV, social, video, audio, anything. Yeah, I mean, I think you nailed it right there, right? I think Instagram is a perfect example. And and that's a platform we're looking at, you know, as we speak, and we have some ideas around that as well. Because like you said, our goal here is to, how do we kind of cut out all of these extra steps that are unnatural, right? Normally, when you see a product you like, you want to be able to say, okay, great, let me buy that, right? Not, mm-hmm. let me go to a bio, let me click this link, let me wait for this page yeah. to load, let me do that checkout experience, which is completely different from the platform I was just on. And then obviously, yeah. you're playing around with browser settings and everything else. So I, I think you're spot on. And again, that's something we're heavily focused on, again, literally as we speak. Um, and what does a more integrated Instagram shopping experience look like for Discovery and our partners. Um, so there's going to be more to come on that soon. But we we are um, thinking about that and trying to find, again, these ways to make it as frictionless and seamless as possible. Again, no matter where our audience is consuming our content. Yeah, well, it seems like if anyone can figure it out, it would be you all because it's not like you're trying to put your products on someone else's show or, you know, (laughs) having to like utilize someone else's platform. Like you have your own platform, you have your own shows, you can build new shows and try out different ways to influence uh, those like, you know, shopping behaviors. So it seems like, yeah, there's just a ton of opportunity for you to experiment with everything that you all have. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. And those are the exact conversations we're having with a lot of our partners as well. Right. And, And understanding from their world, how they see it, and then bringing our world into that and marrying that together again, so we can kind of coexist here. Um, and at the end of the day, just create a better experience for our viewers. Yep, love that. So what are some of your favorite platforms that you guys are experimenting with right now? Like you said, you like, we're looking into Instagram, but like, what's mm-hmm. really performing for you? And what are some of the more moonshot platforms that you're trying out and you think will be good, but you're not so sure? Sure. So um, yeah, I mean, obviously the bread and butter is our shopping content on our dot-coms. Those are our top performers. But, you know, I will say some of the more areas of interest, again, we already spoke about Instagram, but another one where we are seeing some really good traction, believe it or not, is in the Apple news space, most notably on Food Network. Um, we're getting a lot of traction on that platform and and seeing, you know, what our uh, audiences are, are resonating with the most uh, on Apple News, which again, I, I you know, maybe a shock to, to some folks. Yeah, but I think, <laughs> tell you know, me more about that. I have not, I mean, I have an Apple phone, but I have not opened up Apple News probably since I got the phone. So tell me more about like 
what are you guys doing there? Yeah. You're the yeah. first person who said that this. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. Well, I mean, I, again, uh, understood. I, I know that's not always, you know, the first <laughs> thing that jumps to someone's mind when you're talking about like commerce and, and, you know, lifestyle brands, especially because of the name, you know, Apple news, but again, you know, I, I know you don't really use it, but you know, again, this is just the basic, you know, free version that's included with your device when you get it. And uh, again, really, it's just, you know, we're syndicating our day-to-day content onto that platform. And, you know, we've built really strong audiences um, across Apple News. And again, it's a similar experience to our our .coms, just slightly different because it has to fit, obviously, uh, the specs um, of the Apple News um, platform. Um, But again, we just, you know, have seen some really strong successes in different areas, again, most notably in like the buying guide space or, you know, sales events that are happening and, you know, dabbling with push notifications for that. Um, you know, obviously with some of the recent shopping events that occurred, uh, you know, we built kind of a, a push notification strategy around that as well. And it did really well for us. So, you know, again, I think that's one of those ones that is also, you know, intriguing to us, but I think again, high level we really are trying to be everywhere it makes sense, but also, you know, really tailoring our content and strategy based on what that platform is, right? So mm-hmm. for some of the stuff that's working on, you know, Apple News may not make sense for, you know, Instagram or vice versa, so on and so forth. So um, I think, again, those are, those are two, you know, areas. And I would say the last thing that we're really, you know, or me personally is really intrigued by is this kind of universal cart experience slash straight to cart mm-hmm. experience that more and more folks are dabbling with. There's a handful of platforms out there that can kind of help publishers do this. And for folks who aren't familiar with this, it's basically saying if someone comes to HGTV or foodnetwork.com or TLC.com and you know they see an item they like on there, instead of saying buy now on X merchant site and getting you know thrown off to that merchant, uh, you could hit buy now or add to cart and you could actually check out within our platform, which I think is definitely going to be a big piece of the puzzle for the future of you know commerce on digital publishers. I think you know the big question will just be adoption, and then you know what does that look like? I think again, Discovery is in a perfect position for this because folks are already coming to us for this you know expertise and you know know and love our brands already so there won't be you know a lot of convincing in terms of like it's okay to check out with us as well but again we're anticipating um you know some shopping behavior uh, adoptions that are going to occur during that process but again i think that's an area where you know you really start to open up a lot of you know new doors here when it comes to you know shopping for you know digital media sites and i think that's when it gets even more exciting for deeper integrations with like instagram shopping for example yep yeah i love that um, i mean i'm excited to look into the apple news more and i was just intrigued by that because i like hearing things that others have not said yet because i'm like oh that means there could be opportunity there mm-hmm. if you know how to work with the platform especially if you can send out push notifications like that's huge to be able to get in front of you know apple users And then, yeah, I completely agree about the being able to shop instantly from a page. We just had the CEO of Fast on, Mm -hmm. um, Dom, and I thought it was really interesting how he was talking about how every website should have buy now buttons under every (laughs) single individual product. And he went into the whole thing of like, you actually will have higher conversions because, of course, I was like, well, then you have to get past the whole, you know, the minimum shipping amounts and maybe higher order values if you let me add stuff to a cart. And he said, based on everything they've seen, people will buy more if they can buy it instantly and it'll kind of batch it in the background and ship it out after the fact, like all together. So yeah, I mean, it seems like where the future's headed. Yeah. Convenience is key, right? I mean, everyone likes, you know, convenience. And um, again, you know, that's kind of our hypothesis as well here that we, we do plan to see, you know, increased conversions by building a more, you know, intimate shopping experience uh, across our um, dot coms with uh, a lot of our partners. Yeah, that's great. So the one um, big topic I also wanted to touch on was about audience development. So Mm -hmm. when you guys, you know, you have these huge audiences that you can tap into, but for especially a smaller brand, I want to hear how you all think about building that audience to then eventually, you know, being able to sell some products to them as well. Like, what does that process look like and how can a new brand do that? Sure. Um, So I think first and foremost, I, I think it's important to kind of understand, you know, what is audience development as it relates to, you know, your brand and and organization, right? I think the biggest misconception 
with the term audience development is, oh yeah, it's just another word for marketing, mm -hmm. but it's not, right? And if this has been written about it as well. Um, and I think the easiest way to kind of think about this just in a very basic form is, you know, marketing is more about, you know, how you want to look to the world, you know, as you bring those audiences in, you know, initially, right? More on like the branding side of things. Whereas Audev is, who are we to the world, right? And really drilling mm -hmm. down on understanding those audiences that were brought in and who they are, and then building those audiences through, you know, different, you know, engagement tactics and community tactics. So, you know, I think that's always kind of a good place to start to kind of understand how those two worlds kind of then like meet. Uh, and then once that happens, uh, you know, to answer your specific question, really, again, start with understanding who your audiences are and where they are, right? I think sometimes and probably not so much now, but, you know, in, in the past when I was first getting into this space, I think a lot of people just kind of thought that, well, Content is content. It could be put anywhere and it's going to work the same way everywhere, right? Obviously not mm -hmm. the case, even more so for shopping content and, you know, behaviors. So it's really, again, drilling down and, and pulling out insights based on, okay, who is my Facebook audience? Who is my newsletter audience? Who is my, you know, Apple News audience, right? And, and really starting there. And once you kind of understand, you know, high level who they are, you know, what they like, what they're consuming, more specifically, when you're talking about newsletters, you know, what type of keywords are working to increase open rates and so on and so forth, then you can start drilling down on the specifics, right? Saying like, okay, high level, here are the different like topics and content archetypes that are working. Now, how do we kind of build out, you know, an editorial calendar with that in mind? Again, with the understanding that we're not just going to kind of set this and forget this across the board, right? What this looks like in newsletters is going to be slightly different than how we're positioning it on Facebook, for example, and so on and so forth. So um, I really think that's that's the key right there. And, and using data to your advantage and saying, okay, well, here's all of the different metrics that we're currently compiling. Which ones, you know, can we look at and 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 pull from to better understand what these, you know, audiences are coming to us for? And again, you know, working with your editorial teams and the branding teams to kind of bring that all together and say, okay, now here's the plan for output. Yep. Got it. So if you don't have an audience and you're <laughs> starting really from scratch, where would you start? Because I've read quite a few articles, maybe from your past life at other companies about you um, increasing conversion rates by like 60% mm -hmm. through maybe newsletters or increasing newsletter subscriptions. Like, is that maybe a place that you would start or where would you recommend someone brand new who's like, I don't really have an audience. I have like five followers on Instagram. Like, how do I, you know, what's the best way to acquire mm -hmm. an audience and then keep them around to build it? Yeah. So I would say, you know, if we're talking about, you know, limited resources um, and funding, I do think newsletters are a great place to start. And that's really because, you know, it gives you an opportunity to have this like one-on-one -on -one intimate relationship with um, the folks on the other side that for the most part, you're not, you know, uh, having to be held against what the algorithm is going to decide to show at any given day, right? Obviously, you mm -hmm. have to worry about, you know, spam and junk mail and things like that. But for the most part, um, you know, if you're running a, a really clean, you know, newsletter, you know, list or lists, um, you don't have to worry about that so much. So I do think, you know, starting in the newsletter space is a really like low budget, you know, friendly way to start growing, you know, audiences. And, you know, it's really great to kind of use that as a gut check to see what is resonating, right? You could look at your open rates, you could look at your um, click to open rates. Um, again, you can monitor what, you know, the churn is and stuff to see if, you know, what you're producing is causing people to drop off for good, so on and so forth. So I do think for publishers where it makes sense, that is a great place um, to start. You could obviously acquire, you know, new users through a bunch of different audience development tactics, whether it's on-site, um, you know, widgets or modals, or do some, you know, small paid spend to try to bring folks in, do sweepstake partnerships as well. Again, obviously, I'm you know, a little biased just because <laughs> that is part of my background. Yeah. 
But again, over the years, you know, newsletters, again, I know they're not the sexiest platform to talk about, but they have been the most consistent in terms of performance and really bringing uh, your uh, most loyal and, and engaged users from that platform. Yep. Yeah, I completely agree. And you also get access to, you know, quite a bit of data that you don't on other platforms. And if you can figure out how to properly engage with them, I mean, you could have newsletter subscribers for years to come. Yeah, 100%, right? Everyone's goal. (laughs) Yeah, and I think, you know, even uh, to take that one step further, you could even start to get more and more personalized where you get to a point where, you know, you're launching, you know, a newsletter to half a million people and no two newsletters are alike because it's all based on past, you know, user behaviors that you were seeing, you know, within email and the .com. And again, adjusting that based on, you know, different, predictive intelligence tools. So again, I think, you know, 100%, there's a lot there. Um, and if done correctly, uh, and go a long way. And I mean, look, there's this has been tried and true, you know, in, in the space, we see a lot of folks who kind of start there, we even seeing, you know, in, in the news media space, you know, a lot of, you know, journalists and, and editors and things like that kind of, you know, backing off the larger, uh, you know, brands and kind of going this newsletter route to kind of get their um, word and, and opinion out. So yeah, I, I think uh, email is here to stay and uh, it's going to be a huge piece of the puzzle moving forward. Yep, yeah, I completely agree. So you've been in the media world for a while. I think I saw at least back to 2012, right? Maybe even before yeah. then. I went yep. as far as I could on your LinkedIn <laughs> and I think it cut off. <laughs> no, you got it. The, yeah, I have been uh, in media basically since the day I got out of college. So. <laughs> okay, well, this is a perfect question for you then. What do you think the the future of online commerce and media look like? Maybe in like 2025 or 2030? Like, what does that world look like? Yeah, so I think it's going to be an extension of what we talked about a little earlier about this universal card experience and and turning, you know, digital publishers into this space where audiences can come and also feel comfortable making those purchases, right? Mm -hmm. And again, not being bounced off to third party sites and, you know, really being able to start building, um, you know, an even stronger shopping relationship with your audiences. Because again, you know, with a universal, um, you know, car experience also comes a lot more first party data where you could, again, focus on more one-to-one relationships with your audiences, again, specifically in the shopping space, which I think is is key, right? And, and I don't foresee a place where merchants are going to have, you know, a huge problem with this because again, you're just helping to legitimize um, their product, like your um, your previous guest said about um, increased conversions. I think that's another huge piece of this puzzle. Um, so again, it's really just kind of now, again, bringing this all together, this full 360 approach and saying, look, you're not just coming to us for flat inspirational content. You're now coming to us for the inspiration and the ability to take action immediately, again, versus being bounced off to one, two, three other platforms, depending on, um, you know, which uh, platform you're on, like your experience with uh, Instagram. Yeah, I love that answer. Really good. So now that we're talking a little bit about the future, what do you not understand today that you wish you did? What do I not understand today that I wish I did? That's a, that's a good question. So as it relates to commerce? Yep. Or your, or the world where you're like, I really just wish I knew more about this. <laughs> I mean, but yeah, yeah, I mean, if you have commerce ones, that'd be cool too. Sure, sure. Um, I would say, I, I think not so much about like not understanding this, but more like not understanding why it's not better. And, and that goes back to, um, I would probably say uh, affiliate data and, and what that data looks like and, you know, what partners have access to or don't have access to, you know, obviously being, you know, part of many different networks and merchants being on all different networks and so on and so forth becomes, you know, quite difficult to kind of manage all of that data, you know, coming in and, and really having a platform that can easily kind of bring this all together in, in, you know, a unified way. You know, we do have uh, a really strong partner um, that we work with, you know, to kind of aggregate a lot of this data. Again, obviously, it's never going to be perfect because you're pulling it from all different places and you have to understand, well, how does this platform uh, leverage, you know, conversion rates and click-through rates versus this platform? And again, just like, what are, what are those measurements look like and the methodology behind them? So that becomes challenging. 
but I do think that's probably one of the biggest things that I just wish, um, and I know it's not easy, hence the reason why it hasn't really been done yet, but finding a more universal way to kind of bring all this data into like one data warehouse. Uh, again, we were working on some stuff along those lines, but just like high level, just generally speaking in this space, I, I do think that's one of the more kind of challenging, you know, situations that uh, a lot of digital media folks are in when it comes to the shopping space. Yeah, that, that's a great answer. It does feel like a lot of technologies in general start out in that way, like very chaotic, things are everywhere, <laughs> data is everywhere, and then things eventually end up in a dashboard kind of, or, you know, it starts uh, coming together in a more useful way. So I hope that world it comes to be in the future as well. Yeah. And I mean, look, at the end of the day, that, that's only going to help all parties, right? It's going to help the audience. It's going to help the media company. It's going to help the merchant. So there's definitely reason to really get this right. But again, then, you know, to kind of do a bit of a 180, I think that's why you're going to start seeing these universal card experiences take off more and more, right? Because it does make that a bit cleaner um, in mm -hmm. terms of what you're going to have access to and when. Very cool. All right, so we have a couple minutes left and I wanna jump into the lightning round brought to you by our friends at Salesforce Commerce Cloud. You're the best. This is where I'm gonna throw a question your way and you have a minute or less to answer. Are you ready? Let's do it. All right, what's up next on your, well, do you have Netflix? <laughs> I was gonna say Netflix to you and I'm like, uh-oh, he's gonna be like, no. <laughs> uh, I do, I do. Okay, what's up on your queue? And then you can also tell me what's up on your discovery queue. <laughs> <laughs> Fair. Um, so I'll start with us first. Um, All right, huge, go ahead. I mean, and I think this is so obvious, but huge 90 Day Fiance fans. Um, <laughs> yes. I will say my wife actually started that. I, I wasn't always, but mm -hmm. she was like, come on, we got to watch it. And this was a couple of years ago. And once I started, uh, we have been heavily uh, invested ever since. So, you know, from a, a brand standpoint, we're, we're 90 Day through and through. So I think, uh, again, I like it. yeah, uh, probably obvious to a lot of folks, but uh, just because of the success of it. But um, that is, you know, our thing there. And then she's also actually a huge fan of Discovery ID. It's her favorite, you know, channel um, by far. So, you know, we're, we kind of got, you know, both ends of the spectrum there, right? Um, Discovery ID, yep. DLC. So, but again, that just goes to show the strength <laughs> of um, our portfolio. And then on a personal front, yeah. I, I, was, I would say what we're actually currently watching is the Borgias on uh, Showtime. If you haven't watched it, I highly okay. um, you uh -huh. know, recommend it. Um, but it's three seasons, so that's good for me. I'm not a huge binger, but I can, I can get through like a, a three-season um, you know, watch. So uh, we're currently uh, in the middle of that. Well, I'll have to check that out. Yeah, 90 Day Fiance. So I have a twin sister, and she's obsessed <laughs> with that show. And she's been telling me I need to watch it. And I've been kind of like, no, I'm not watching that. So now, now that you said you also enjoy it, maybe I will have to check that out. Yeah, come on. It's, it's only fitting now. You got to at least give it a shot. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I will after this. That'll be the rest of my day. <laughs> Perfect. So I succeeded tonight. <laughs> I you did. You got someone. one thing. You can tell everyone I got a conversion. Exactly. <laughs> What's up next on your reading list? On my reading list. So ugh, this is also, I mean, probably uh, slightly depressing, but I'm actually currently reading the plague <laughs> oh that's kind of sad i mean i don't even know what that is but i'm like oh, i mean is it good <laughs> yeah i mean so so far I, i've only first uh you know i'm only uh, maybe a quarter of the way in it's just eerily similar to the situation we're currently in and obviously this was not written you know recently this is uh you know old Camus. but yeah so uh that that's what i'm currently reading so uh you know not exactly uh, an uplifting read but i do think um you know interesting to say the least and, and kind of seeing some of these parallels that again just six seven months ago we thought were just like you know crazy things you would read or you know watch on netflix yep yeah that well if, if you enjoy the full read, let me know. Maybe I'll check it out. Will do. Next up, if if you were to have a podcast, what would it be about and who would your first guest be? Oof. Um, that is interesting. If I had a podcast, I probably wouldn't fall into kind of the, the current podcasting world that kind of pulls mm -hmm. a lot of, you know, talent from different areas and kind of makes that the centerpiece uh, of their podcast. Mm -hmm. I would much rather try to get in the weeds with folks who are making a difference on a local level. I think mm -hmm. um, 
especially in this political climate, I think that sometimes gets lost that we think it's only the top that matters and, you know, nothing, you know, lower does, um, which I think is completely false. I think everything starts at the local level. So um, I would love to kind of give, you know, more exposure and light to, to those folks who are doing the dirty work on the ground, which again, you know, sometimes gets lost in the standard, you know, media cycles or across social media, for example. Yes, I, I love that. That's also something we're exploring here at Mission is local level podcasts, because I think that's what people are leaning into now, especially from that, like, you know, they've kind of have lost that also sense of community with everything that's been going on. And so now more than ever, you might want to know what your neighbors are you know, communities up to and also what they're doing, like you said, on the ground level. All right. The next one, what does the best day in the office look like for you? Best day. So um, when that was a thing. (laughs) um, When you went to the office and you weren't just in your house in New York. (laughs) Exactly. I I think, um, honestly, the best part about that is, you know, being able to kind of, and now I I feel it even more, is having that change of scenery and being able to have kind of those face-to-face um, interactions with folks, right? I, I recently read a study where I, I think it came out that people were actually working, you know, longer hours and having more meetings while working from home because they don't have those passerby conversations in, you know, the hall or, you know, going in and out of the restroom and, and so on and so forth, which again, I don't think people appreciate until it's gone. And and for me, mm-hmm. you know, that's been kind of a, a huge piece, you know, of the puzzle that's been missing you know, during, uh, you know, these, these times is that, um, you know, human interaction. I think everyone wants to think that, you know, working from home is the future. I'm just not sold on that yet. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I think the flexibility maybe, but I think a lot of people will be eager to get back and see their coworkers and, you know, have coffee together and whatnot. So there'll be pent up demand as economists would say. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) All right, Chris. Well, this has been such a great interview. Where can people find out more about you and all the fun work you're doing at Discovery? Sure. So personally, you can find me, Chris Manenti, on LinkedIn, and we can connect there if you'd like to um, chat further. Um, but more importantly, uh, you know, if, if you love uh, our brands, you know uh, where to catch us uh, on TV. And then, you know, similar to, uh, you know, .com, HGTV, Food Network, TLC, Travel Channel, you know, we're, we're everywhere. And, uh, you know, we look forward to continuing to serve um, our audiences wherever they are and, you know, really helping them through um, these trying times that we're all in. Yep. And most of all, go watch 90 Day Fiance, everyone. Exactly. For the handful who haven't yet, including (laughs) you, uh, Stephanie. Yeah, I know. (laughs) Such a veil. All right. Thanks so much, Chris. It's been fun. Likewise. Thanks so much again. Bye-bye. Hey everyone, I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, you'll probably also love our e-commerce newsletter. To get it delivered straight to your inbox every week, sign up at mission.org slash upnextincommerce. Up Next in Commerce is brought to you by Salesforce Commerce Cloud and created by the team at mission.org. Subscribe now at Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you for checking out another epic hour of business insights and inspiration on the Up Next in Commerce podcast. If you like what you've heard and you're interested in partnering with us to bring your brand to a growing audience of e-commerce experts, reach out to me at stephanie at mission.org to get the conversation started.